Okay, Acts chapter 16, just the first five verses. Paul also came to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman, and he was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So they take in the Jerusalem letter. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Well, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and, and praise you for your word. Thank you that your word is, is God-breathed and it's profitable to help us grow and mature as Christians. It's also helped us help it's there to rebuke us and correct us. But Father, your word is there just to sanctify our hearts every day so we can walk in a manner worthy of our calling and bear fruit. But help us now, Father, as we come to this passage to, to hear what your word has to say to our hearts, especially about a love for people. Yeah, we see Paul, Timothy, and, and, and Silas, and those who went out and how they had a love for people. So, Father, please, open up our ears to you. As he always said, Jesus, he has ears, listen. And give me the wisdom, Father, to be clear and understood. Help me to, be, um, to, to make logic, but to bring your word faithfully to our hearts and minds so that we can be taught by your scriptures, that your Holy Spirit can do a great work in and through me into our lives. And thank you now, Father, for this second missionary journey journey that we can learn from Paul and we can just yeah, see how he witnessed your son's life into the lives of people. It is all about Christ. It's all about the gospel of Christ, the gospel of truth, going into the lands to save and also to build up those that are saved. So thank you now, Father, for this morning. Praying us this morning. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. If you weren't here last week, we, um, we looked at two qualities from Paul's life in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 41, on love for people. How did Paul's love for people show? Well, it showed his one quality was a caring heart, and his second quality was a, 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 an encouraging heart. This morning, we're going to look at another two qualities from Paul's life as he goes into Derby and Lystra But the question to all of us, do we have a love for people? That was the question I asked last week. Do we have a love for people? But now the question is, do we have a love for people in this church, your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we have a love for them? We, we saw that in Paul's life last Sunday, looking at those two qualities and this is what someone said about Paul. No man on earth had a warmer and more devoted heart than the Apostle Paul. Love was the impulse of his whole life and ministry. 
as Christ's apostle. See, Paul showed love both to the saved and the unsaved. He had a balance. He didn't just have a clique of Christian friends and that all he hung around with. No. He had a balanced love for people, both the saved and the unsaved. Well, Scripture tells us to the saved. And it says, There is a daily pressure on me, on my anxiety for all the churches. That was Paul's love for the saved. And for the unsaved, Paul wrote, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. There's Paul's love for the unsaved. And we're not talking about sentimental love and emotional love. We're talking about biblical love. Love that has action. Love that, that, that is not an emotion. It's an, it's an act of sacrificial service. It's an action. It's always doing something, not just patting someone on the back, I love you and I'll pray for you. It's an action. It's getting involved, getting dirty, getting, getting to know yourself through helping someone that irritates you or frustrates you because that's how you will get to know your heart and you'll know that, wow, I don't love as God calls me to love. Paul had a, a, a true biblical love. But let's, let's just examine our hearts. At first, I'm not, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on us. I want us to be convicted by the Scriptures. I want us to be, to be challenged and exalted by the Scriptures. Do we love? Are you always loving the same people in this church? Are you loving other people in this church? A person that calls themselves a Christian and does not have works clothed in love, or just does not have works, or no action, that faith is dead. James, James says that. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but has not or does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is purely clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, giving them the things, faith by itself does not have works, is dead. So if you've got the things, but you just say to that person, go well, I'll be praying for you, that's actually dead faith. This is what John wrote in, in 1 John, um, in his letter, 1 John 3, and it's um, starting at verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. He's talking about Jesus, the Son of God. He laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. It's a sacrificial love. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart, that's what God sees as your heart, and closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, because we have that a lot in our churches, but in deed or in works and in truth. And Paul's faith was not dead. Paul had love. 
And that love was expressed through his heart. It wasn't just, I love the people, and he went back into his office and did nothing. He was out there, loving the people. His faith was not dead. He was fulfilling the royal law according to Scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, both the saved and the unsaved. Or even better, he himself wrote, but only faith working through love. What is our love like? Love flows from a humble heart. And like someone says, it seeks the comfort and joy of others. So once again, in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to Acts chapter 18, verse 22, we see Paul expressing this love for Jesus as he goes about witnessing Christ to the unsaved and as he goes about discipling Christ to the saved to build them up. And that's what he's doing in the first bit of, of, the, mission, of the second missionary journey in Acts um, 15 verses 36 to 41 and verses 1 to 5 of Acts chapter 16. He's going back to strengthen those that heard his message back in the first missionary journey. Heard his message say plus minus three years ago. There's a three year kind of gap between the first missionary journey and the second missionary journey. And now Paul is going to take Christ to the unsaved and the saved and especially later on to the unsaved, to the different cities in the Greek province of Macedonia, Achaia, including Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens and Corinth. And he's going to spend plus minus two and a half to three years doing this, covering 4,346 kilometers on foot, 2,270 by land and 2,076 kilometers by sea, all in AD 48 to 51. The first missionary journey took about one and a half years, and he covered, covered about 2,000 kilometers. So this morning, as we come now to Paul, we're going to look at his life and at Paul's love for people. And hopefully this will encourage us to love. If we don't love, we need to do something about it. And if we do love, we should see what kind of love is flowing from our hearts. Is it genuine? Is it sincere? Let your love be genuine, Paul writes, to the church of Rome. And if our love is sincere and genuine, then will it increase us to love more, like people out of our comfort zone, strangers, enemies, taking the gospel to them, or taking the gospel to build them up in Christ. So here are another two qualities from Paul's life, which we're now going to look in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 to 5, to see our love, our or how our love for people is. And the first quality to see how our love for people is, is Paul had a serving heart. First two qualities was caring, encouraging. Now we move on to a different passage and we look at another quality and that is Paul had a serving heart, which we see now in verses 1 to 3. Paul never met Jesus, only on the road to Damascus. He might have seen him from a distance. But he knew that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He might have witnessed from a distance Jesus lay down his life for us, down on the cross. This is what Paul does. He goes around laying down his life for the brothers and sisters. Because he knows what it means to serve. And we need to be reminded 
who we serve. We serve a living God. We serve the true God. We serve Christ Jesus who died for us, who gave himself up for us, who died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and on the third day, according to the scriptures, rose again, who's now ascended at the right hand of the Father where he intercedes, where he serves as a faithful mediator. He didn't just stop here on earth and now he's sitting having a lack of time in heaven. He's serving. He's, he's interceding for us. He's our faithful mediator. And from the ascension we receive the Holy Spirit when we are saved. If Jesus didn't ascend and he didn't go away, then he could not send the helper to help us, the Holy Spirit. And when we believe and we repent and put our, our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we receive that Holy Spirit. But we receive something very precious. We receive God's love. And God's love is poured out into our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So why? So we can have love for people. So all of us here, me included, are without an excuse. You cannot say, I don't know how to love people. Or I can't sing. Because God has commanded us to love people. To love Him. And love His neighbor as Himself. Or our neighbor as ourselves. God has commanded us to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And then love our neighbor as ourselves. So we without excuse. And Paul has a serving heart. He goes around showing this love through how it is expressed. By serving others. Paul didn't just go around telling people how much he loved them. He, he showed this love by a serving heart. And we all should have a serving heart. Our church is small, but we all should be involved in some ministry, in some way, serving, yeah, from this world out. Because we are all part of the body of Christ. Someone said, don't go to your church and say there are too many people, or this church, there's too few people, so everybody's doing it, so I don't have to do it. No. And say, I don't know where I can serve. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, which we spoke about, God wants to cultivate a ministry through you that is essential for that church. We are saved into the body of Christ. We are saved into His body for the building up of His body and each other in that body. And here we see again Paul going, or he comes to Derby, and then to Lystra, and he comes with a love for people, with a serving heart. And here he meets a really lovely man, Timothy, who is well spoken of by the community, by Lystra and Iconium. You saw what that was on the map. He had a reputation of being a man of God, being a man of his word. He was an exemplary man. He wasn't a perfect man. You read 1 and 2 Timothy, read the letters and you see how Paul writes to encourage him. He's timid. But he, he, he notices this man, Timothy, who's well spoken of by the people in these communities. He's an exemplary man. Timothy probably got saved when he heard Paul preach the gospel of Christ in his first missionary journey in Lystra. Timothy probably witnessed Paul being stoned and left for dead when they dragged him out of Lystra. But Timothy also had godly parents, a grandma and a mother, who trained him up 
in the Old Testament scriptures, who raised him up, acquainted him with the sacred scriptures, that prepared his mind to hear the gospel of God and to trust in Christ Jesus. That's what we're doing as parents. We are training our children up in God's word so that one day when they hear the gospel, preach from whoever's preaching the truth, the Holy Spirit will save them. We're not educating them to be saved. We are educating them to be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. We can educate people into the kingdom. We can pray people into the kingdom. We can ask people to make decisions. But it's not us that saves people. It's the gospel of grace. This is what they take into the churches. Because something happened in Jerusalem. Where the Jews said no, or the Pharisees said no. It's not partly grace. It's not grace alone through Christ alone. It's partly grace, partly Jesus and also circumcision and keeping the law. And now they're going to say, no, it's through grace, by Christ alone, we are saved. And they're on this journey, and as I said, they come across this, this wonderful man, Timothy. And Paul notices him. Paul's heard, he's probably asked questions. And they told him about this Timothy, and Paul decides he wants to take him along with him and Silas on the second missionary journey. He sees great potential to come alongside this man and disciple him. And, and train him up to be a preacher, a teacher of God's word. To be a man of God. Which he does become. He became that. Paul wrote of Timothy, a true child in the faith. His favorite companion and co-worker. <laughs> Timothy became a genuine man for the love of people and to serve people. And Paul saw that. He gave him an opportunity and said, no. We're going to take him along. He has potential. Are we coming alongside new Christians in our church? Are we serving them with a serving heart, taking them out for coffee, nurturing them, encouraging them? Men on men, ladies on ladies, families on families. Are we being like Paul and, and noticing men in the congregation? It's not always the pastor doing that. It's us in brotherly love, encouraging each other's brothers and sisters. I've identified two men in this church that I'm coming alongside. They're beautiful, the ones decided to study theology, distance learning. The one other one has. The one is Willem, the one is Chris. And I'm slowly but surely, with, with agreement of the leadership, just coming alongside, nurturing them. Getting wisdom from the leaders as well. Working together as a body of believers. Obviously there's qualifications. Paul saw in Timothy he had qualifications. He was an exemplary man. People spoke well of him. But are we nurturing? Are we having a love for the people in our churches? And like I said last week, a love for them is not just taking them to the shops and taking them shopping and taking them for the coffee. Actually taking out the Bible and reading scripture to them. Dropping them off and praying for them. It's easy just to take someone for coffee if you've got the time. What a man of God was Paul. A love for people which showed through his serving heart. But there was a problem. Timothy needed to be circumcised. You might be saying, Mark... What do you mean? I thought in Jerusalem church they said circumcision is 
not needed for salvation. So why are they circumcising Timothy? Is it for salvation? No, it's not. Listen there in verse 3. And he took Timothy and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. He might have been a prominent Greek. Apparently he's dead by now. But he might have been a Greek that was well known. And they knew that when Timothy was born into this family, his dad's a Greek, his mom is a Jew, that his dad didn't want him circumcised. But there was a law that, that, that if you were a child of a Gentile father and a Jewish mother, you were considered Jewish. So he had some Jewish resemblance, but he wasn't circumcised. Now if Paul takes him away from his hometown and takes him to the Gentile part of the world, Timothy is telling them that I'm now renouncing my Jewish faith. Because he has it in a form of a culture. Not in a form of a belief. Like someone was saying that Timothy goes to Gentile regions. The Jews would have assumed he was renouncing his Jewish heritage and choosing a life as a Gentile. So the circumcision has nothing to do with salvation. It would have been a stumbling block, especially when Paul goes to the synagogue first to witness. It had to do with, like someone said, not compromising the gospel of Christ, but respecting the culture's tradition that could still be practiced as long as it was understood to have cultural practices. Because Paul became like a Jew to witness to the Jews. He became weak to witnesses, to witness to the weak without compromising the gospel of Christ. Titus is a different thing. He refused to circumcise Titus because it would have brought confusion then about the gospel message of grace. But go read about that and you see. Timothy was circumcised, so Paul can take him along now and there wouldn't be a stumbling block to the, the Jews culturally. So Paul's love for people was shown in in a beautiful serving heart. And now Paul takes Timothy with him so he can be a witness for Christ and he can disciple him to be a witness for Christ. He has the second quality to see how love for people is. Paul had a faithful heart. He had a caring heart, an encouraging heart, a serving heart, and now he shows he has a faithful heart. And we see that in Acts chapter 16, verses 4 to 5. Jesus is going to say to us one day, and he should say to us all, well done, good and faithful servant. Again, let's examine our faithfulness. Are we being faithful to the Christian living via the gospel? What does God see? Paul went with a love for people which was shown through a faithful heart to these people. Paul was not a hotshot. He was just a humble, obedient, faithful servant of Christ Jesus, serving with a faithful heart, a faithful attitude. He wrote this to the church of Corinth. It is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Not clever and smart and educated God's not looking for hot shots, like I said, or a person to come in with clever ideas and reinvent the wheel. 
God wants servants to have a love for people and have a faithful heart as they serve these people. They have the truth. And they need to be faithful to the truth. Otherwise they're deceiving the people. They're misleading the people. Instead of on a road to heaven, they're on a road to hell. There's apostasy if they're not being faithful to the truth. What is required of stewards? They need to be found faithful. We're all stewards. A steward's a servant who manages everything for his own master, but who himself owns nothing. We're managing everything for God. Our homes, our wages, our cars, our tongues, how we talk, how we listen. Are we practicing good stewardship with everything that God has given to us as a gift? Because we own nothing. Think about the most precious gift that has been given to us is Jesus. It's the most precious gift that has been given to us for redemption, for salvation. Do we see Jesus as this precious gift? But there's another precious gift that God has given to us. That's a treasure in jars of clay. What is that treasure? It's the gospel. He has entrusted to us the gospel. The treasure is the glorious gospel message that the eternal God came into this world in the person of Jesus Christ and died on the cross and rose again to provide forgiveness of sin and eternal life to all who repent and believe. This treasure is all about Christ Jesus. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This is the treasure we have, a gospel message. It's all about truth, truth that saves, truth that transforms us more and more into the image of Christ-likeness. And Paul had a faithful heart. His middle name was probably Faithfulness, and he was taking this treasure all about Jesus, and we have the same treasure to take to people. The unsaved, to witness it to them, and the saved, to build them up in Christ. Because in Jesus is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What more does the world need? Jesus alone. But they need to be saved to share in the blessings and the promises that come from Him. And Paul is taking this treasure and he shares it with the churches to build them up, to strengthen them, but also to the churches for them to be saved. And Paul's taking this letter, the Jerusalem Council letter, which tells us, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. The Jerusalem council met, remember they gave us letter to take back to Antioch, and from Antioch some of the false apostles and false teachers have taken the false gospel into Asia Minor. Now Paul has decided he wants to go and take this letter and share it, especially where Christ has been heard, to strengthen the churches, to turn them from following the ways of Judaism again and it's all Christ alone again and he takes this letter yes he first holds them the truth that salvation is through grace of the Lord Jesus Christ then he takes them and he tells them that what's in the letter 
He shared the issues of the Gentiles abstaining from their pagan practices because he knew there was, there was love, was a danger, fellowship, unity. Someone said that the twofold message of Christianity, salvation by grace and living by love. The truth is we say by grace alone, through faith alone, it's a salvation of grace. And the other truth is that we are called to love one another. We love by love. Does the world see that? The world looks from the outside in. To the church, to our homes, to we who say we're Christian. Do they see genuine brotherly love for God and for ourselves? And as Paul and Silas and Timothy is going to go with them, and as they take this letter, so they, they strengthen these churches with the letter, which is Scripture. They're using Scripture to strengthen these churches, to encourage them. And taking Scripture gives the Holy Spirit to work together with the Scripture the opportunity to strengthen the inner man, the, the heart of these people, so they can be strong and courageous in these churches. And if Paul is faithful to his calling, he's taking sacred Scripture, he's taking the Holy Scriptures, and then Jesus can be faithful as a faithful servant to his words. He said, and I tell you, you are peace, and on this rock I'll build my church and gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And how faithful is Jesus to his word? If we take this Bible and we sow it into people's lives, if we witness it into people's lives, God can save people and build his churches. And this is what we see Paul doing. Like Peter did it, Paul is doing it now. And, 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 and we'll see when we, get to the, when we get to Thessalonica. We'll see how was Thessalonica saved? By the gospel. Because Paul eventually wrote to them, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you. Our gospel, which is the gospel of Christ. Not their gospel, which is grace, Christ, plus circumcision. Our gospel. The gospel that we've been entrusted with. The treasures of, that are in clays of, uh, jars of clay. Our gospel. It's Christ's gospel. Came to you, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And with full conviction. This is how they were saved. And how they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing the word of Christ. And where the word of God is faithfully preached, there the Holy Spirit will increase the number of the church. That's what he did. As they strengthened, verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith. In whose faith? Who's the author and perfecter of our faith? Jesus Christ. And they increased in numbers daily. As Paul and Silas and Timothy, especially Paul, as he went about preaching the gospel of Christ, teaching the gospel of Christ, so God added to his church. Are we hearing the gospel of Christ today? Or is it all about man? Is it a man-centered gospel? Or is it a Christ-centered gospel Paul goes with a, with, a, with a loving heart, a caring heart, a faithful heart, a serving heart. And because of his love for Christ, and that love for Christ controls him, compels him to do these things, he takes the gospel. He faithfully teaches 
with God's word like a teacher. With a faithful heart, he faithfully fights with God's word like a soldier. With a faithful heart, he faithfully runs with God's word like an athlete. And with a faithful heart, he faithfully sows or farms with God's word like a farmer. Which he wrote to Timothy and told him about to be these four things. You say you love Jesus. Let's be, let's be honest. I, you, we, all of us say we love Jesus. Where should it be expressed? In our love for people. That's the bottom line. If James was standing here, he would say to you, if you're a Christian, this is the Apostle James, if you're a Christian, be doers of God's word. Show it by being doers of God's word. Stop talking the gospel. Stop patting people on the back. If you have a love for people, it will be expressed in your faithful heart, serving as a faithful servant to both the saved and the unsaved. So these two qualities that we looked at this morning, from Paul's life, from Acts chapter 16, verses 1 to 5, to see how our love for people is. We looked at serving heart, faithful heart. Do we have a love for people? Do I have a love for people? If we don't have a love for people, or if we're struggling to have a love for people, and we will, that's why it's all about grace. That's why you shouldn't be sitting there feeling guilty, because Christ does wipe that guilt away. You should be sitting there thinking, wow, Lord, forgive me. My love is not like Paul's. I have to do something about it. First, repent. And ask God to give you the wisdom to grow that love, to cultivate that love. It's a fruit of the Spirit. But if we don't have love for people, then do that. Look to the cross. Because there, God's love was demonstrated for us. God didn't just say, Mark, I love you, and leave me alone. He demonstrated His love to us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There on the cross, He proved His love for us. That it was expressed. We deserve death. But he willingly died in our place. The cross is where God proves his love for us, his children. And from that, God's love was poured out in our hearts when we believed. From the cross, God's love is poured out into our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit has been given to us. For us to have a love for God and a love for people. Not for us just to tell people how much we love them. That's easy. I think we need to have sacrificial love. Action. Is it going to be easy? No. We all need God's grace and to pray for one another and to help one another. Because we all, including me, fail at this. And praise the Lord for the people that are loving. But they too will tell you that they too need God's grace to increase and cultivate that love in their hearts. Let's cultivate a sacrificial love, a sacrificial action, a doer of that love for one another. Let's pray. Father, we start by looking to you and asking you to forgive us. Forgive us, Father. Be merciful to us, be gracious to us, because we do not 
have a sacrificial love for one another. You've called us to lay down our lives for one another, just like your son laid down his life for us. We can boast and talk about how we love people, but it always seems to be about the people we feel comfortable with and we know. But we never boast about the people we struggle to love. I've never boasted and I've never heard anybody come to me and boast about how they had to love the enemy or the stranger and how hard they found it and how they failed. Father, we become so self-righteous in, in commending ourselves when we look to the things we do easily. But when we look to Christ, we can't commend ourselves. We fall so far short. And we thank you for that grace that builds us up and to help us to do the loving for people you've called us to do with a faithful heart and a serving heart. So help us, Father. Please forgive us. Give us the wisdom to turn our eyes from looking at the wrong things and the vanity things, but to fix them on Jesus and get Him to help us. Get Your Word to grow us and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, so we can be kind and gentle with people, those that we need to love. Starting in our home, Father. If we don't love in our home, we will not love in this church. We will not love outside of these walls. Give us wisdom to come alongside each other and to nurture and encourage each other to love. To love. The world needs love. Especially with this virus, Father. People are panicking. People need love. They want to hear the truth. They've been misled by media and, and falsehood. They want the truth. So, Father, please help us. Help us to love. Have a love for people. First for you and then for our neighbor as ourselves. Thank you again, Father, for this rich passage. How Paul showed a love for people. How it was expressed in his serving heart and faithful heart to both the saved and unsaved. And I thank you for Jesus who came not to be served but to serve and give his life, his life as a ransom for many. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name.